Welcome to The Deal with Yield. Our two hosts for today's program are Joel Whipperfirth and Kyle Reiner, Master Agronomy Advisors for Winfield. We're discussing in-season management today and the importance of plant nutrition for corn crops. Let's talk more specifically, first of all, about micro and macronutrients. When you think about micro and macronutrients, the reason they're called macro is they're needed in large amounts. And then as you go to the micronutrients, obviously they're needed in slightly smaller amounts. And I think that's one of the parts that as you evaluate limiting factors to your crop, we probably can't fix a lot of macro deficiencies with small amounts of foliar nutrition. We maybe can put a Band-Aid on it. We can build a bridge. But if you have a macronutrient deficiency, we really have to fix that with a soil application and feed the crop in that way. Whereas a micronutrient, you don't need a high volume of product. A quart, maybe even a pint per acre of a solution might be able to help bridge or fix that nutrient deficiency. Kyle, anything else? You know, along with what Joel said, a lot of the time if you go through a cold period where the root development just isn't happening and then you get some heat, sometimes the root activity will get you down into where the macros are. Obviously, if the roots are not developing, you're not having the amount of tissue or amounts of product or part per million in the tissue sample, that could throw off some of the samples or deficiencies that might show up visually. I think when you get the plant off to a good start, the next stage that we can kind of do something about or think about V5 or what we consider knee-high corn, that's a stage where the rows around start to be determined. And we set ear girth there. At that time frame, we start this grand growth period where before that we were growing at a rate of about uh, one leaf collar every four to five days. But when you hit that knee-high stage, the corn just takes off like a rocket and it really starts to grow one leaf collar about every two to three days. And that's what we consider the grand growth period, where a 308 bushel crop will take up uh, about 11.1 pounds of nitrogen per day and about 15.4 pounds of potassium per day per acre. I just kind of think about that like a teenage kid. They come home, they get off the school bus, they eat two pizzas, a grilled cheese sandwich, and then an hour later they hit dinner and they eat most of what's on their dinner plate too. That grand growth period is just a really adolescent, uh, hungry time for that plant. I know another tool you two use for monitoring plant health is pulling plant tissue samples. What advice do you have when it comes to tissue sampling? Well, tissue sampling is really about seeing the hidden hunger. And and just in the same context that maybe when you go to the doctor, uh, your leg hurts, but you don't realize that after an MRI, you maybe have torn cartilage or you need additional things that you couldn't see on the external surface. The tissue sample really gives you that snapshot in time of you may have the best looking corn crop in your entire career, and yet the tissue sample reviews that there's still some deficiencies or some areas of improvement. And that's one of the things tissue sampling really brings about uh, an opportunity to identify limiting factors that you're trying to manage. How often do you do the samples? I usually do them three times a year. You know, that V5, the V10, and tassel. And so what you're trying to do with the V5 is see what the limiting factors are during the development at early stages when you're starting to do the, the development and yield potential on girth. You can do some different things as far as adding zinc or adding nitrogen or something for the development of rows. And then the V10, you're, you're determined by then to try to figure out how long your cob's going to be and how it's going to fill out. And 
looking at that. And then the, and the one at Tassel to me is more like a, a report card on the year. You know, instead of waiting until the yield comes at the end and say, oh, I wish I should have done this or I wish I would have done that. And then also taking a nitrogen stock sample, basal nice nitrate samples, then you can depict whether you ran out of nitrogen or you had enough nitrogen within the stock. Those are all good report cards. So do you think that uh, people sometimes underestimate the importance of tissue sampling? The very first place you should start is always with a soil sample. And that helps you identify some really, really big rocks you can move, like uh, how's your pH? Do you need to improve your phosphorus fertility, your potassium fertility? Those are kind of the big three things to look at in a soil sample. The tissue sample helps you think about your crop while it's growing. And I think that's a, that's a big difference is if you're trying to manage something, how do you measure it? Tissue samples allow you to see things that you couldn't normally see after the crop is planted and allows you a little bit to respond to what the weather environments were for that year. But with that, we also see some trends in tissue sampling. When we look at a compilation of tissue samples, there's a fair amount of them that are zinc deficient. I would say that in the state of Minnesota, 80 to 90 percent of the time we're zinc deficient. 80 percent of the time we're deficient in manganese. So we've not only been able to sample and show deficiencies, but we've also been able to collect a huge database of information that says what some trends are. And on those trends, we've started to make some corrective measures. Kyle, anything else? So it's like what Joel was saying. It's a proactive approach instead of a reactive. If you're visually seeing the symptoms, it's already yield robbing. So to go out there and establish a tissue sample and, and be able to predict where it might go as far as deficiency and be able to pull it out before it visually is seen on the leaf, then that's the proactive approach we want to take. When you look at uh, prices right now compared to a few years ago and you put together a program, you m- might say you have to make the most of your crop regardless of what the price is. And you'll have some people that say, I want to cut back on this, I want to cut back on that, and maybe they'll cut back on a yield enhancer of some type. What do you say to those people? When I sit down with a grower and, and we'll be going through the year, a lot of them decide, hey, look, let's wait until, you know, July frame and, ah, oh, is that adequate amount of moisture? The beans look okay. Maybe I'll spend a little bit more money. My thing is, if you have an extra 10 or $15 to spend, my challenge is, where do you spend it? What do you do with that extra money? I'm going to challenge people and say, look, if you do have that, where where to use it? What fields do you have the capability of raising? Because at the end of the day, bushels pay bills. And if without the bushels, it's going to be a tougher environment this year than what we've seen the last two to three years. There's no doubt about that. And we can't save ourselves to prosperity. It just does not work. I don't think you can cut enough costs to be profitable in this. And I, I think that's one of the places uh, your risk is some of your three-to-one or four-to-one returns maybe now become two-to-ones. So when you go through that, it's about sitting down with your people that work in your operation that can kind of look at it and go, you know, maybe doing this yield enhancer versus making sure your tile, lime, and fertility are in check, maybe we save that off for another year. But it's always about the bushels. It's always about trying for yield. And I think one of the things that's hard to see is if we get rain in August, you probably wish that you had that five to 10 bushel yield enhancement on there, no matter what. And that's always the risk that's out there is if you don't get the rain, you can't make the grain. I've never met a grower that's ever gone bankrupt by trying to do the extra thing. 
I've seen many of them disappear by not doing the things that they should be doing. I think those are the things that we have to think about. And with the inputs and whether the commodities stay at this price or they go back up to six, seven bucks, we have to be that much more in tune with what we're doing to be able to distinguish the right and the wrong things to do from year to year. This is The Deal with Yield with Joel Ripperfirth and Kyle Reiner, Master Agronomy Advisors for Winfield.